0: Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror film each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm talking to Brian, and on this week's episode we're going to be discussing the 2023 film Knock at the Cabin, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and starring Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, and Nikki Amuka Bird. In this... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nikki and Muka Bird, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I thought that was the new sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Just, a bird flew by Washington's yeah. <laughs> window. All right, Nikki and Muka Bird. In this film, a family on vacation at a remote cabin find themselves faced off against a group of strangers who are on a mission. If you're new to our show, we're going to have a spoiler free discussion for the first 10 15 minutes. Then we'll take a quick break. You'll hear some music. And then we'll dive into the plot, hit some of the spoilers, and go through our review. Brian, I think you and I just talked about M. Night Shyamalan back in December when we talked about The Visit. And I believe you've seen maybe just a few of his films. Is that right? Yeah, I'm I'm a little
1: underseen as far as... I mean, he's underseen to me, I suppose. I've seen The (laughs) Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, and The Visit. And that's okay. it, I really need to to check out some more,
0: yeah, sure the, and so this would be like number five, then, I guess, for you, um right, is that right? yeah, yeah, that's number it. five, yeah, and okay. I've got a a uh, morbid curiosity
1: about the happening, I feel like that's the one I wanna watch, the yeah. Movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I feel like uh, his uh, second wave, like yeah, after Unbreakable, alone after Signs and stuff, he kind of get like a a low uh, mix of like low grade horror maybe, and then he went like non horror, and then he came back with the Visit, uh, hitting horror, and like we had Split and Old, which I think was still horror. What do you what do you think genre wise here? Does this fall pretty squarely in horror for you? Yeah, sure. I'd call it a home invasion movie for mm-hmm. if you want to be clean
1: and simple about it. But there's a oh. I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's
0: an apocalyptic bent to it, yeah, that's what, yeah the home invasion angle, I feel like is what it's marketed against, but I, I do feel like throughout the film like that angle might go away a lot quicker than than other stuff comes up right right yeah yeah I,
1: i'm I'm also interested to see split and glass um, yeah, it sounds I think we talked about it on the visit, but it sounds like the happening was when public opinion started to turn on M. Night in general, and then he had The Last Airbender and After Earth, which
0: neither were received very well by critics, and right. the visit was the comeback. The comeback. Yeah, so it's cool he's like back in this world now of horror, but uh, still to be determined if he is at the heights that he was in like the early 2000s after Sixth Sense. Sure, um, sure. We'll find out if we're back in that territory.
1: You know what's wild about his filmography is that this is his second film to be rated R. Only. Oh. and the other one was the
0: happening. No way. Yeah. did not realize that, that strange? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and th- that's kind of uh, an interesting point because watching this, I don't know if you feel like the R ness of it. Um, like yeah, and you haven't seen the happening, but the, I feel like the happening has some more brutal kills. Did you feel like watching this? It was it was an R film? Um,
1: yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Some some brutal things happen, but they could have been dealt with more brutally.
0: Yeah, right, right. I I definitely expect a little bit more, especially with the Home Invasion premise. Sure. You'd expect to see a little bit more graphic. But I I feel like at the end of the day, he's not like a very uh, horrific or gory kind of guy. I don't think that's ever been his thing. No, I mean, the very fact that this is only his second R-rated film shows you. He
1: he likes to leave, play with people's imagination and perception, I think, a bit more than
0: than show them the goods. Sure. Yeah, that's his M.O. Um, and yeah, we've talked about doing more of his movies this year, so I'm wondering maybe The Happening is, uh, the next w- place that we go. That could be, be fun, fun to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, so part of me wants to say that movie's like built up a cult following, but maybe not. Maybe it's still a really shitty movie. Right, I'm curious if it's reached like so bad it's good status, or if it's just bad. Yeah, or maybe it always was a little bit good and we just wrote it off as being <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sure, I'd love to talk about it with you.
0: Yeah, T V D. TBD. Um, this one, I, I think unlike his other work, he didn't write the story here. This one's based off a book by Paul Tremblay that came out in 2018. And, uh, it sounds like the movie came to him, the script came to him and initially he didn't, didn't like the ending. So he proposed something else. They walked away and then a few years later they came back and the version that we see here is, uh, his version of it. So, um, interesting, the journey that the story took, uh, have you read that book by any chance? I have not, no. Although Paul Tremblay or Tremblay, I don't know how you
1: pronounce it, is an author who seems to have been a rising star or seems to be a rising star in the world of horror fiction over the last five or ten years. He's got a few books, but I think A Cabin at the End or Cabin at the End of the World from twenty eighteen, which this is based on, and then A Headful of Ghosts from Twenty Fifteen are the two that people talk about a lot, like on our Discord server and I see discussed on social media. Um, and there were talks of a big screen adaptation of a head full of ghosts and have been for a few years. It was first reported that Oz Perkins would direct an adaptation of that. Then later Scott Cooper who directed antlers was attached, but there hasn't been much reported on that for like three years. So I think
0: fans of, of Paul Tremblay will have to sit for a while. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, good for him. Like two great horror stories. It sounds like, I mean, I check those out
1: yeah i'm curious to read i just i'm so m- so much of my life is talking horror movies with you and watching the horror movies that yeah. when i read i'm like
0: i go somewhere else i don't yeah. do much horror fiction <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> you gotta yeah gotta have some part of your life that isn't horror. i know i need some horror. sort of safe space <laughs> yeah exactly oh man like all oh, i
1: read erotica <laughs> yeah, exactly. 1960s erotic texts.
0: <laughs> this is my escape from horror. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I I still read a lot of horror. Uh, I I kind of like it uh, from a literature standpoint, and I think it hits differently than movies. And it's cool to see when a movie is uh, turned. Hey. Oh. Did, speaking of uh, horror fiction, did you read my best friend's exorcism though? I did read that. Yeah, and still okay. haven't seen the film because okay. I just heard it was a stinker. Yeah, yeah, that one didn't go very well.
1: Yeah, that was a recent exception lately. I did read that
0: one. I very much enjoyed My Best Friend's Exorcism. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I feel like there are maybe one or two decent horror uh, books a year uh, that we're sure. checking out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, enough about uh, M. Night Shyamalan, I think, uh, onto the cast. Um, any Anyone you recognized or were familiar with before this film? Yeah, I mean,
1: Dave Batista's his star is rising, you know, the Guardians of Galaxies Galaxy's movies, and then especially after his appearance in Glass Onion recently. Oh, um, I forgot he
0: was in that, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I i mean, Rupert Grint, Harry Potter, he's kind of a small yeah. part in the movie, but- Yeah, um, it's fun to see him. Jonathan Groff I'm pretty familiar with just because he is in, he's a voice of Kristoff um, in Frozen and Frozen 2. Oh, no kidding. Okay. So yeah, his cool. voice is pretty familiar to me, and then he was also in Hamilton. Oh, the uh, the Disney production? The, no, the Disney production. Did Disney do a production of Hamilton? I think so. I mean, there was like the play, right? And yeah, then, they, there is the play. And then there there was like a televised version of the play. I don't know if Disney yeah. was involved in that, were they? Uh, I thought it was on the Disney Channel. But yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe they owned the rights or distributed it. Yeah, you might be right.
0: Oh, okay. Um, hey, he was
1: in that one? Yeah. Yeah, and I actually I, I was lucky enough to see that on Broadway. And I feel like he may have been in the cast when i saw it but I, oh, had, cool. I had no idea who he was back then
0: got it hey was it worth uh, the ticket price
1: um yes it was, it was? oh okay. yeah all right. but i also i think i played paid face value for tickets but a good friend of mine works on hamilton so oh nice we we got a little bit of hookup
0: okay yeah i thought the music was really cool but i never made it out to see the the play it's pretty amazing okay all right um, the other big name I thought was the cinematographer Jaron Blosch. Is that how you'd say it? Sure, I think that's as good a good a guess as any. Yeah, so he uh, and a guy named uh, Lowell Meyer. Yep, Lowell Meyer and Jaron Blosch did the cinematography here. Sure, and Jaron uh, has done like The Lighthouse and Northman. Uh, I'm not sure what Lowell has done otherwise, but uh, you know, Jaron seems like a pretty big guy. Yeah, he's done everything of Robert's Robert Eggers so far. He did The Witch as well, and he's working
1: on Eggers' upcoming Nosferatu remake.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, cool, cool to see him partnering up with Shyamalan here. And I, I, I think uh, cinematography plays a big role in this film. I'm sure we'll talk about it as we go through. Yes. Uh, overall performance-wise, this came out over the weekend and uh, has earned 21 million at the box office on a budget of 20 million. So. Uh, it's broken even, and I'm sure the next few weekends potentially it'll uh, make more than its share back. Yeah, uh, I gotta, I gotta believe it'll turn a profit, and it's got
1: the distinction of finally knocking Avatar: The Way of Water out of the number one spot at the <laughs> box office.
0: Who, who, was watching that? It's like, out, like it's been number one for like seven weeks in a row. I know that blows my mind. Like that's like a three-hour movie too, isn't it? I think it's such a spectacle
1: that people are just like, I gotta go. We still haven't gone, but. You're gonna go?
0: Mm, probably not. I don't get. Like the first one, I get was a spectacle. This one just seems like they're recycling the visuals from the first one. So what's a spectacle about it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean,
1: I I enjoyed the visual elements of the first one, but I thought it was a pretty dumb movie on the whole. And I just yeah,
0: I don't have the desire to go. I don't know. This isn't about hating on Avatar: Way of Water, but <laughs> but yeah, it's amazing the run it's had. Yeah, uh, the last for sure. weekends. Um, but cool. Something's knocking that out. Um, And then uh, from a review standpoint, pretty aligned on the Rotten Tomatoes and the user score, 68% critics and 64% users, um, which is, I I think, I feel like a lot of the movies we've gone out to see, you've seen a bigger difference between those two numbers, so cool to see one that aligns closer.
1: Yeah, there's something oddly comforting
0: about it, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah, the world's starting to make sense again. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: What else? You got any other background? I don't really have much other background. I mean, we just talked a lot about... Oh, you know, I got some Patreon shout-outs. We should do those.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Uh,
1: (laughs) Excuse me, everybody. Only two this week. Diana A. and Sebastian F. Thank you so much, both of you, for supporting us. It means a lot. Uh, Hope you enjoy the bonus content. And I don't think I have much else. Ash, you want me to go to the Ohio Connection from Alex? Let's do it. Every movie we watch is connected to our home state of Ohio for us. By our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in Northeast Ohio, swing by for a drink and some food. It's a great bar. And Alex says, Knock at the Cabin is an apocalyptic, psychological horror film written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. The film follows a family vacationing at a remote cabin who are suddenly held hostage by four strangers. It stars Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Rupert Grint, and MCU star Dave Bautista, known to many for his portrayal as Drax the Destroyer in the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. Before starting his acting career, which includes such films as Dune, Blade Runner 2049, Glass Onion, and Spectre, Batista had a prolific career as a professional wrestler. He signed with WWF in 2000 and got his start in their developmental organization known as the Ohio Valley Wrestling Federation. Awesome. Wow, cool. Good connection, Alex. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about that moniker too, psychological horror film. I'm, I'm not sure if that came through to me, though I
0: have seen it called that, so maybe in our review we can discuss that further. Hmm. Yeah, that one didn't jump out to me either. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, great connection. Thanks, Alex. Uh, are you ready to get to the plot? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, before we do, though, uh, you know, I just saw what time it is. I, I got to run out. Uh, can I give you a call back in a few minutes? Yeah, sure. All right, cool. I'll be right back. <laughs> Right, sorry about that, Brian. I'm I'm back. Yeah, everything cool. Everything's good. Uh, you know, I just had to meet up with uh, some strangers I met online. Uh, it was really weird. We all had the same idea uh, about the moon landing being faked, uh, <laughs> and it turns out we were right. Uh, you know, we all met and we we all had the same idea, so it must be true. So <laughs> good good to know there's a, a group of us that are on the that know the truth, and we're gonna go door to door now and spread that. So.
1: Well, that was good. simple.
0: Yeah, I know. You've been doubting me this whole time, like, they were right there online this whole Apparently, time. Apparently there's <laughs> other
1: people on the internet that
0: think the same thing. <laughs> exactly. We all had the same idea, it was pretty, so it's got to be true. <laughs> right. That's all you need these days. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So this movie kicks off with a scene in the woods where we meet a young girl named Wen. Uh, she's like four or five, right? Quite young. Uh, I would say eight. Okay. <laughs> okay. Eight or nine. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I don't know all kids who the same age. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So she's uh catching grasshoppers when she's suddenly approached by this huge hulk of a dude named Leonard. Leonard introduces himself and they make some chit chat, get to know each other a bit. Um there's some tension here as Wen is kind of weary of him. Oh here's the weary thing, right? Leery, yeah, yep. Yeah, you know, I get angry when people Here confuse we go. these. Yeah, she's leery yeah. of him or she's... wary of him. <laughs> can't be both. <laughs> she can't be weary. Of him. She yeah. could be, but yeah. so she's very suspicious of uh, this guy. But uh, you know, he kind of says, uh, introduces himself to become friends, kind of quickly. He helps her catch some grasshoppers, and then she notices three other people coming out of the woods. And he says, "These are his uh, colleagues or partners or whatever." and they're coming today to talk to her and her parents. It's going to be a very hard day. This obviously scares her, and she runs home to warn her parents, who are Eric and Andrew. They're hanging outside, and she comes running in to this cabin that they're staring at and warns them that some people uh, are in the woods and they're coming to get them. What did you think of this opening scene? I thought it was pretty
1: cool and really off-putting because immediate review right here, Dave Batista's performance here is a big strength of this film. It's really calm and deliberate in a weird combination of kind and unsettling. Uh, And so that, his delivery and everything, and, and because you know this is a horror film, just sets everything down this weird path of like what the hell's going on here and does this guy mean harm or mean well and what's on his mind, is he sane? So I was pretty down with the opening. Um, how old did Leonard appear to be to you,
0: like 11 or 12? <laughs> at, yeah. Ben Sharker, like yeah, probably uh, get into high school at least. <laughs> Maybe on the 14, 15 cusp. <laughs> yeah. 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 Somewhere around there. His mom drove him there. <laughs> yeah. Dropped him off. <laughs> Go do what you got to do today, I'll pick you <laughs> up at 8. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's well aged. I agree. There's something uh, It's so cool, because uh, he is like this huge hulking like wrestler dude, and we know him as like this big, uh, beefy guy. Yeah, but he's like yeah talking to this uh, character who couldn't be, be like more opposite than him. Like this, you know, young child who is like yeah very suspicious and scared of him. And he is like talking like he's like as gentle as can be, right, in terms of how he's talking and and catching a grasshopper. That kind of like shows off his gentleness as well. So yeah, at first like you think there's this huge dude in the woods you got to be scared of, but like he's kind of disarming, and it's a weird. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it plays against each other really well. And then, uh, what did you think of the. I thought the camera work here really stood out too, in terms of like the way during their conversation they would do like close ups on each of them. What did you think of that?
1: Yeah, I think that really helped have that uneasy feeling too. Just something is up. You don't know quite what's going on. It was a, we saw something a little bit similar in Infinity Pool. Very different styles, but similar and that the extreme close-up can be kind of off-putting. Um, and after I the movie was over and I realized this was the guy that filmed all of Robert Eggers films, I really wished I had paid more attention to the cinematography, but I don't have too many insightful things to say on it other than I thought it was done well.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think it's done well and you get, throughout the film, a lot of shots like this uh, where it's just like very close-ups on the characters, uh, very like intimate character work. Um, And yeah, I think this scene kind of like sets the stage for more of that work later in the film. Sure. Um, So yeah, as uh, the title says, there comes a knock at the cabin door. Leonard and his three companions ask Eric and Andrew uh, to open the door so that they can have a discussion. And again, I I think it's kind of weird, because he's like being as calm as can be, but you know, there are four people out there with like these crazy weapons. And uh, you know, it's hard to believe that they don't mean harm here, right? Yeah, and their
1: weapons are very like analog. They're like weird shovel, pitchfork hybrids, like fused together. It's very odd.
0: Yeah, yeah. Feels Which, like I, I from another I, century. Yeah, kind of adds to the creepiness. I thought. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I dig it. Yeah, you know, if like someone's making their own weapon at home, they're they, they they're a certain trouble. kind of person. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) It's uh, scarier than if they just showed up with guns.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, The four intruders break in and they tie up Andrew and Eric. Uh, In the process, Eric sustains a concussion. The four intruders then introduce themselves and who they are. Uh, We find out Leonard is a teacher, Adriana is a cook, Sabrina is a nurse. And Redmond, I forget what he is, but he's just like an angry dude who doesn't have patience for like this whole exercise. Yeah, he's kind rush. of a rake and arrest about type. Yeah, right. And this is uh, Ron Weasley.
1: Just I think, think he, I want to say he works like, he works
0: for like a gas or oil company.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, I know their roles come into play later. Um, they now explain to Andrew and Eric that the four of them had a vision which has drawn them together to this cabin. Uh, In this vision, there's an apocalypse coming, and the only way it can be stopped is if this family, being Eric, Andrew, and Wen, decides to willingly sacrifice one of its members, which would then save humanity. If they don't do this, then the whole world will die, except for these three, who will have to live in a world where everyone is dead. On top of this, each time they choose not to kill, each other, or like, pick someone to die. Some kind of apocalyptic event will occur. So there's an element of uh, uh, time sensitivity here that um, time is of the essence. What what did you think of this? Uh, you know, the, this reveal of like the plot, the drivers, um, the characters that we've been introduced to. Thoughts?
1: I really like the premise and the setup. It's a good idea for a movie. I'm not wild about most of the characters here so far. I feel like the acting is a little bit off, and I don't know if that's just... It seems like maybe how they were directed, but I'm not quite sure. Um, Rupert Grint, I I think, made a lot of sense. His performance was good. It was what it needed to be. But then the two women... um, Sabrina and... uh, Yeah, Nikki Amuka-Bird, who plays Sabrina, and Kristen Kui, I don't know how the... Oh no, that's when she did a good mm-hmm. job. She was great. She was amazing. Um, yeah, Abby Quinn, who played Adrian, I just like couldn't quite pick up what they were putting down. Something seemed off about it. But I know you're also supposed to be in the position of these this family, who's like, what the hell is going on? So maybe M Knight was directing them to be. Mysterious you know, in a way or, or kind of obtuse what what kind of person is this the same way that Dave Batista was was perceived by viewers, so I Wasn't wild about their performances, but I, I love the setup. I, I love the possibilities here and, and where you could go with
0: it um, So I was on board. How about you? Yeah, it's a really good thing uh, interesting thing you bring up about the characters because uh, I, I think I feel the same like you have four people coming in you know you have the sense that this is like a home invasion film and so you're waiting for like these four like people to come in who mean harm. But uh, yeah, the the two women I think don't necessarily mean like they're very nervous I think, and uh, I think that's uh, kind of is a jarring impression. Like wait, you broke in, you uh, this guy like you've tied these people up, but you're not you're still like very nervous about it. But I, I think as you find out more of the story, it starts to make sense like that these aren't necessarily criminals. So I, I wonder if that. Uh, duality of those characters kind of comes into play where like yeah you're breaking into someone's house but also you uh don't want to be doing this or don't feel like uh it's it's a you're not like a criminal maybe
1: yeah that's a good defense of the performance like you're not a crazy person you're not a criminal you don't want anyone to be hurt so yeah i mean that that justifies the performances i I would still argue there was something something off something off but I, i can't quite put my finger on it
0: yeah Uh, The other thing that I I think, like, by this point, that gets a little disappointing is you realize how nice, like, these four are and that, like, they probably don't mean harm, like, uh, direct harm to this crew, uh, which I think kind of pulls some of the scariness that you might have had earlier on in the film of, like, hey, these four people are breaking in they're going to kill you. Uh, I felt like that dissipated a little bit for me, but did you still have that?
1: The fear quickly dissipates, and it's replaced more by an urge to understand what's happening, and know if this
0: is for real. Right, right. And what, what's your thought at this point? Like, is this for real or... I, ass- I assumed
1: it would be for real just because of the nature of the movie.
0: Ah, wow, interesting. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I kind of struggled with uh, for a long time was like, yeah, are, are these people who they say they are? is like, a, Are they sane or is this like all a delusion? And I think that's where the psychological horror comes into play. Oh. Like Like,
1: you know, the characters don't know... Whether these are just for crazy people or if what they're telling them is true. Right. But I wouldn't say that's enough to call it a psychological horror movie. It's not like we're in their headspace where we're like, we don't know what's what and we can't trust our instincts. They're just trying yeah. to figure something out. That's not enough to call it a psychological horror film. Hmm. And I guess <laughs> we as the viewer are trying to figure something out too to see if they're serious or not. But I don't know. That seems like a stretch to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, because I do think it touches on the psychology of like groupthink group mentality, the uh, dangers of like the internet and like finding people who share a belief and like the lens you'll go to to like do things that uh, might not be illegal. Um, so that doesn't fall under like the uh, psychology.
1: I mean, yeah, it does the psychology of the characters in the movie, but just because there's some psychology involved, and what's happening in the movie doesn't mean it's psychological horror. Psychologi- okay. To me, I mean, my understanding of psychological horror, and maybe I'm wrong, is that the character goes on a psychological journey that is so cerebral that it's more so than just a character being confused about what to do or even necessarily what the truth is. It's yeah. like their grip on reality and understanding of truth is mm. so... Muddled that they they have trouble piecing it together. And this, I know it sounds like I'm describing exactly what this movie is, but (laughs) it's just basically as clean and simple as, are these people crazy or are they telling the truth? That's not enough to totally disorient the character's sense of what's happening around them. Like, Hmm. they are in a bunker or in a cabin. They are trapped. These people came in. If it was them trying to figure out if this was a hallucination and these people were really here yeah. or whether this is all a joke, like that someone's playing on them, that might be more of a psychological mm. horror movie or, yeah. Okay. Okay. Things I playing got, yeah. with like the fabric of reality and time sure. and then your
0: own perception of things, not just is someone lying to me? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, though I, I, you know, I, I don't think. Um, that I ever thought like these guys were lying. I just thought they were delusional. Like like they believed this. Like like a cult maybe. But yeah, you're right. Like a cult necessarily wouldn't be a psychological horror. That right. would be Something different. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so Andrew and Eric obviously very skeptical about everything they've just heard, uh, and they think these people are probably not well. So they refuse to select someone to die. So one of the captors named Redmond, uh, who's played by Ron Weasley puts a white bag around his head and he is murdered by the other three captors with their uh, homemade uh, weapons as Andrew and Eric watch. Leonard then turns on the TV and we see live coverage showing a tsunami hitting the coast of Oregon, supporting the fact that their decision in this room just now made uh, that tsunami happen and is showing that real world uh, impacts are happening. Um, what do you think? Was this believable, uh, in terms of, like, did this, is it, you were already bought on board that this was all true? Yeah. I mean, if I was those characters, I don't know what I would think, whether
1: or not that was true or not, or yeah. if they somehow staged the footage. Gosh, I don't, I don't know. I'm almost talking myself into maybe this is on the screen. <laughs> I still, I still yeah. think it's not. But, huh. Um, yeah, I, I, I was pretty on board with this is what's happening, but okay. I wanted to talk about the uh, what we talked about, touched on earlier. I think this kill was really neutered, and I think the fear could have been brought back if we had seen what this family saw. I mean, the whole horror of it from this point on isn't necessarily so much about the decision because they're just all like, no, this, they, they're dismissive of this. These people are crazy. Right. We're not giving this idea any purchase in our brains. Then the horror becomes, oh my god, these people are gonna murder each other one by one in front of us,
0: and we have to watch it. So yeah, yeah, and they have to watch
1: it. So we should have to watch it too,
0: like we should. Yeah, I don't know why he pulled away here. Uh, yeah, that, that, so you have an R rating already. Like why uh, not show it? And you have these like really cool weapons that you've built up. Um, but yeah, uh, we don't see we see a little bit of blood, right? Like in the mask. We see a little bit of blood. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's not like they show nothing, but they show. Way less than they should, and and I know in the past I've argued on movies. No, it's okay. Like you don't have to show everything, but the entire horror here is the fact that you're watching these people brutally murdered in front of you. So yeah, if you're not showing that. It really you're kind of kneecapping your movie.
0: You are. Yeah, I agree. I agree that it felt like unnecessary censorship. Um, but I don't know. I, I still feel like there's a suspenseful horror in still like trying to navigate. Like, are these people telling the truth? Or not, like, do one of these guys have to die to save the world or not? Like I, I don't know, I, I feel like I was still like battling those things in my mind. Um, but yeah, did you have any of that going on? and was that like leading to any suspense for you? Yeah, sure. i'm I'm not gonna say it was devoid of
1: dispense su- or suspense or fear or anything. I still think that was a part of it. And the movie, now that we're in this, it starts moving at a pretty fast clip, too. so. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, okay, these are your decisions, and you got to figure it out if it's real or not. Right. The one guy has been concussed, so he, there's some distrust between Andrew and, uh, what's Groff's character's Eric. name and Eric, because, yeah, Andrew's kind of like, n- seems a bit more like he could believe them, and Andrew's like, no, like, don't listen. You just had a concussion. Like, right. I hope you're not buying into this.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're kind of splitting up, uh, mentally. Right on this, and uh, yeah, I I thought they were kind of playing here too, like when they turn on the TV and they see like breaking news and tsunamis and stuff. uh, I kind of felt like this was some commentary on like I don't know doom scrolling or just like how sensational news can be sometimes. So like I mean, if if you and I turn on the TV right now, I mean we'd see some horrific shit anyway. So uh, yeah, my mind's like still kind of trying to parse like how much of this is commentary on like real world and like just like how it leads people to delusion versus like is this a real uh. Event that's happening, sure, right. Um, Pretty bad so, tsunami though. Uh, yeah, yeah, those, those, those are rough. Yeah, that was a bad one. Uh, Andrew refuses to believe a word of this, so they, the captors, decide to give them the night to figure out who they're gonna sacrifice. When the young girl tries to escape at one point, but is caught by Leonard. By Leonard, <laughs> and, God, I, think I was gonna trip up on that.
1: Uh, <laughs> That's the name you've given to one of your testicles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leonard.
0: <laughs>
1: that's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah. <that's true. laughs> you didn't even bother naming the other one you hated yeah, so much.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh oh, I and I think here again you're getting that camera work where it's like following when she's like looking side to side in in the woods and um I don't know if you're like seeing throughout the whole film uh is is like the cinematography jumping out to you. I thought the the cinematography did jump out to me in points where you didn't know where
1: somebody was or where things could be coming from. I feel like it especially captures Wend's point of view since she's, you know, just a little small person. Yeah. Um, she's a child. But especially when they first are at the doors of the cabin, you just, like, see people kind of walking by a window, like there are sounds surrounding you. You know there's someone somewhere, but you don't know where. Right, and I think that's where the cinematography. I was, that's where, in like retrospect, I can kind of tie it back to the witch, and the like claustrophobic space of the, you know, their house and the witch, their cabin essentially, to this cabin. Um, Right. So yeah, it was an interesting use of the space. The space felt more dynamic than it should have been for just a movie
0: about a bunch
1: of people in a room. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was very effective um, how they captured that. Yeah. Um also also I think the the lighting, uh I think they used all natural light here too, and I, I think that kind of like the film has like a the movie has kind of like a cool color to it. It does, and it's also like uh the
1: daytime stuff is just like it's daytime. It looks like very it's yeah. not like they're trying to set a mood or anything, it's just like a nice day at a cabin and it's Exactly. Like,
0: the the reality of that is just I think serves the movie well. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, So now the next day, the three remaining captors ask Eric and Andrew who they're going to sacrifice. And again, they refuse to answer. This time, the captors kill Adriana in front of Eric and Andrew. And when they switch the news on this time, they see that a global pandemic is now on the rise and it's killing children. Again, Andrew is convinced that this is all staged and pre-recorded. But we're starting to see, as you mentioned earlier, that Eric is uh, seeing some kind of uh, correlation and, like, kind of on the fence and wondering, uh, thinking more about the plausibility here. Uh, throughout this, we're also getting these flashbacks of Andrew and Eric's relationship uh, in little bits and pieces, mostly around uh, struggles they've faced uh, as as a couple. Well, uh, I think like the first one is like them coming out to their parents. Uh, another one is their adoption of when. Another one is them being attacked at a bar. Uh, so I think just kind of highlighting some of the struggles that they've gone through. Um, and we also learned that they recognize Redmond, uh, the first capture who died as someone who had attacked them in a bar years ago. And this makes them doubt puts more doubt in their mind around the validity of uh, what this group is saying. Uh, did you think this form of character development worked or like supported what we needed to like buy into these characters? You know, man, I
1: I never considered whether it should have been scrapped, period. I think maybe it should have been scrapped. I'm not sure that it really furthered anything. I think also, unfortunately, as much as I like Jonathan Groff and his other stuff, and maybe the performance isn't bad, but Eric and Andrew just have no chemistry to me. Like, mm. I'm not really enjoying them discussing the plan I'm not enjoying their discussion of their relationship or any of the the drama between them or even like their little like he points to him and and oh, yeah. you know they've got the thing every couple has in a movie where you know one little motion you do to each other that's like your thing I just right. like wasn't bought into it I don't know if it was specifically one or each of their performances or just them as performers weren't really mm. meshing together well but that's a good what point did, what do you think about that
0: yeah I agree I mean I, I liked uh, that we were getting some more into their background and uh, it is really cool like that they the, you know the, the main couple in here uh, is a gay couple right like we don't see that too often in, in a horror film so cool to have that dynamic going on but uh yeah I, I think uh to your point I, I agree like I, I don't feel like the chemistry is felt even with those background scenes I think it just kind of points to some of the hardships. Um, And then, yeah, I I think I kept, like, thinking that it's going to play out later in a big way, but I'm not sure if it does exactly.
1: I feel like it does a little bit to develop their psychology and point of view, especially um, Andrews. Like, it's us against the world, like our family and everybody else. Like, no one's ever treated us the way we deserve to be treated, Mm, and I'm not going to... I'm not taking a chance on killing one of us just to save every other asshole on the planet. Good um, point. Yeah. And just a feeling of, like, we're being targeted, you know. But, uh, Redmond, it's revealed later, did attack them at a bar a couple of years ago, it presumably just for them being gay. And so it furthers the, them trying to understand what these people are doing. Oh, and we're a target again for them. I mean, mm. Redmond's yeah. in their crew, so... I think it makes sense to have that that be the way that these two feel about the world. I just I think it's important to get development on them. I don't know if the flashbacks were the best way to do it, but I don't yeah. know how else you could have really done that, uh, especially with the Redman attacking them. Sure. And I think that's an important complication to add to the mix because it just increases their paranoia and, oh, sure. and doubt. Yep. So Mixed feelings on it. I think
0: I would have been more okay with the flashbacks had I felt the chemistry was there. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, because they are like two very different people. And I I feel like that's what the flashbacks kind of showed is like one is like more, uh, I don't know, outgoing. The other one's like a lot more conservative, I think. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we don't see too many points of like uh, strong connection. Yeah. All right. Uh, so at this point, Andrew and Eric uh, are somehow able to break free a little bit momentarily. Andrew runs to the car and grabs a gun that uh, he uses to kill Sabrina with. They, first, they force Leonard to lock himself in the bathroom, but when they hear the window break in there, they open the door, um, but he's still hiding in the shower and he tricks them and overtakes them and grabs the gun. This time, he asks Andrew and Eric again, which one of them is going to make the sacrifice, neither of them uh, opt to do so. So Leonard kills Sabrina, I think, I think. does he kill Sabrina, or was she already dead from the gunshot? She was already dead from the gunshot, I believe, or actually, he kind of finishes her off, I think. Okay, but yeah, with Sabrina, same with Adri- Adri- Adriana, we, we get very little, right, in terms of the kill? Yeah, we see all, all, pretty much nothing there. Yeah, so missed opportunity. Um, this time, after he turns on the news, we see planes are starting to fall out of the sky. Um, I think this is the part where I kind of started believing it because that that seemed a little suspicious. <laughs> that but... doesn't doesn't happen every day. <laughs> yeah, that one's that one's hard to stomach. Uh, I but I thought that was a cool visual, like uh, the the footage of like planes flying out of the sky. So what would you think? It was cool footage. Yeah,
1: it was like live on the scene. Somebody captured it with their camera phone or whatever, and it it looked good for that kind of vibe that they were going for. It. Yeah. Cool, pretty, pretty apocalyptic, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, So now with just Leonard left, he asks them again who they're going to kill, and again they refuse that they're not going to kill any of them. So now Leonard takes a knife and he slits his own throat. And again, it's done off camera, like uh, all we see is like, the blood coming down on his chest. Yep. He tells Andrew and Eric that after he's dead, they're only going to have a few minutes now to decide if they want to kill the other one and save the world. The skies go dark, lightning starts striking trees in the woods, and fires are being set. Uh, Eric and Andrew, who now admit that they believe this and uh, that th- this is actually the case, now have that argument that I think you were referring to earlier, where like, is the world worth dying for uh, to sacrifice? Like, do they should they have to sacrifice what they have for the rest of the world? And Eric says that he had a vision. Uh, and it is that he's dying and Andrew and Wen years from now can grow up and enjoy, like, life together. Um, so this is a pretty heartbreaking moment. We hear a gunshot and Andrew and Wen leave the house. What did you think of this whole, uh, uh, yeah, this, this scene and this climax? Um, it was fine. I, I feel like it could have been a little
1: bit more emotional than it was. Maybe, it was, you know, again, I wasn't feeling the chemistry, so I just couldn't connect to this moment as well as I thought I'd be able to. Um, And then, you know, they fire the gun. You don't know quite who's gone. Turns out um, that Andrew survives and Eric has been killed. And then Andrew goes to the treehouse where they've told when to wait. And I kind of expected her to have some emotion that she wanted it to be Eric who came and got her. Like, oh. like you're not my favorite dad. No. Because <laughs> it felt like they were leading us that route. Like there was a moment where... She hugged Eric as she before she went for the treehouse and then Andrew like went to get a hug and she just kind of ran away. Oh. So I was like, "Oh, okay, is that what they're building towards?" Like hmm. she she didn't want it to be that one and that's going to be a sad ending. Or do Boom. you think you don't think it was like her knowing which one is going away? Oh, maybe, right? Maybe she gave him a hug and a kiss cuz she had a feeling he might not make it through.
0: Mm. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. So Eric went in for a hug, or sorry, Andrew went in for a hug and she ran away. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh man, I missed that. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah,
1: so I, I guess I just thought there could have been more to that scene, but I did, I did
0: like it. Yeah. How did you feel? Uh, yeah, there's something a little bit under. I like. I felt like there was an emotional weight here, and it's finally cool to see like them two just like talking it out, and uh, I, I feel like I felt more vested, like, in terms of, like, uh, being vested in the relationship, like, this was probably the most uh, when they were, like, kind of talking about who needs to die and this vision that he's had. I think I felt like the 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 relationship the most here, but um, a part of me throughout this whole film, just, like, had it in my back pocket that, like, we're gonna see some awesome twist come through here, and just like on the edge of my seat, waiting for it. And so now that we know that, like, yeah, the world is ending, and that this guy uh, did kill um, the other one, made the sacrifice, and, and left with the win, I'm kind of like, wait, wait, what's 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 going on here? Like, where's the twist going to come from? Did did you have that expectation going into this film? I didn't have that expectation, but I did leave the movie feeling like, huh,
1: like it was just so simple. I I thought there would yeah. be more to it, like. They tried to do that with the flashbacks a little bit, I think. And I think there was, the pacing was fast. And I think it was because, I don't know if it was a bad choice, because I have a feeling Shyamalan wanted us to feel the urgency of, like, all right, your decision will come. Uh, you'll get the chance to decide again in a little while. And then just being like, what the hell is happening? Like, yeah. none of this seems real. We got to decide again. Like, what? And b- before you know it, they're just being murdered in front of them over and over again. But at the same time, like I normally appreciate efficiency in a movie. Something felt just missing, like there should have been more there, there should have been more depth or breadth or something, like there should have been some other complicating factors or, yeah, sure, a twist. I mean, I would happily Mm -hmm. have welcomed a twist. Otherwise it was like very by the book, right? It was very by the book, no pun intended. And it was just like there wasn't a whole lot of meat on the bone. Right. Uh, it was just like, this is where the what the movie is, and you think it might be this, and it turns out it is this, and we'll just hit all those <laughs> plot beats, and now we're done.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was surprisingly uh, unsurprising. Surprisingly it's, unsurprising. Yeah. It's, there you go. Yeah, that is really strange. And it, it's just really weird, because uh, I feel like the opening scene kind of sets you up like uh, that like kind of just natural dialogue between when and... Leonard. I I thought it's like chilling and like, but there's like meat to it and it's like you don't know where it's going to go. There's like a a big kind of like, uh, there's a lot of suspense around it and like a lot of intrigue. And I think that kind of falls away then as, as like this plot rolls out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought the movie was most effective when chaos ensued and Batista was eerily but lovingly trying to keep it as calm and logical as possible. Sure. Like that's where the movie excelled, whether you were scared or. Curious or whatever those were like the most dramatic moments of the movie sure to me. Yeah um, So yeah, I mean some of that I Don't feel like he was wasted there. I, I feel like that was the role. I really do feel like Had we just seen Some <laughs> really gory kills it yeah. would have enhanced everything the whole movie would have felt more impactful his like calm pursuit of like their goal and while still being gentle and kind to the people would have felt even more off-putting and sincere and earnest and urgent. And the horror would have felt more horrific. Their reactions, we probably could have connected better to as characters, so maybe we would have bought into that relationship more, Andrew Mm -hmm. and Eric. Um, It's weird, I'm normally not the one to argue, you gotta show more, I gotta see some gore, (laughs) because I'm fine with gore, but I don't, I don't feel like every movie needs it. This movie did not need it.
0: I think so. Uh, you know, and I think uh, what was missing... And yeah, just to wrap up the plot, I mean, uh, Andrew and Wendy get out of there. They stop at a diner. They hear reports that the chaos has stopped, so we know this uh, worked. And then they drive away listening to a song that uh, they had listened to coming in. But I, I think what you're ca- calling out uh, points... I, I feel like M. Night Shyamalan, from a horror angle, he was trying to get us to focus on what was going on outside the cabin, like the the tsunami, the planes flying out of the sky, the uh, the storms and stuff and trying to put too much horror into that and missed out on like creating more horror like within the cabin with like what you talked about, like uh, gruesome kills going on or Batista being like uh, yeah, the, being that crazy kind of really uh, into it. Person, but like in a calm way, like that. I, I, I think you need to. Have, if you have a bunch of characters in a small space, a lot of the horror has to be there, right? I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in a cabin. The
1: cabin's in the name of the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. I thought there was a lot of opportunities for things they could have explored further too. Like he's concussed. So what's that doing to his perception of reality? They explored a little bit, but not really in a super intriguing way that changes the course of the movie all that much like their their relationship with their daughter and maybe that missed hug maybe I read more into it than I should have but does she have a favorite? does she care which one of them comes to tell her your other dad is dead? like there's something to explore there i it, I enjoyed the theme of them like feeling us against the world because of some you know prejudice that's and violence that's happened to them in their past but at the end, that kind of felt, I don't know, a little just bare bones or by the book uh, by the end of the movie. And it's weird because I have so many criticisms of this movie, but I actually quite enjoyed it. I just, I felt like it was an enjoyable watch. It, mostly the pacing um, and Bautista and Wen's performance, not Wen, but Kristen Kui. Uh, they were both really intriguing and, and kept me on board with what was happening and engaged in the movie
0: yeah um, those two were out. yeah I don't think the other performances were bad they just weren't really winning me over yeah um, I do know I wish we had more scenes of Batista in one uh, I, th- I thought that was like one of the most effective scenes in the film
1: yeah yeah that would actually been great like have the two of them alone for some random reason and him trying to like convince her um, and why not he was a second grade teacher so he was great at talking to kids And he could have perceived her as like the weak link the you know, I, yeah, that's actually what I expected
0: to happen to her to walk in the room and shoot one of her dads. Oh, holy shit. I mean, why not? Yeah. Right. Right. That would Uh, have been amazing. Have you, uh, have you heard how the book ends? I don't know how the book ends. I don't. Oh, it's, it's a lot more interesting, but it's like way darker and it includes when, um, but yeah, I, I feel like M Night Shyamalan. I feel like his brand is like very like family oriented. He doesn't like like killing children on screen. Um, so yeah, I feel like we got like a very like watered down like straightforward version of, of what could have been like a way more interesting story potentially. So now we know what happens in the book. I think at the end of oh, the book. Yeah, I think it's a little messy in terms of like what what happens. But I I know it's a, yeah it's it's darker. Okay. Yeah,
1: I've heard people. Whitney especially said, like, she just hated the way the book ended. So I had a feeling yeah. it got, it was darker. Yeah. Um, this movie just, it could have stood to be darker in one way or the other. Darker right. and more violent. Um, but did you enjoy watching it? I feel like we don't have a lot of good things to say other than the
0: performance, <laughs> a couple performances and cinematography and maybe pacing. But well, yeah. I still <laughs> found myself liking it. What did you think? Uh, yeah, no, I, I had a good time watching it. I was I was there for the mystery, uh, just a little disappointed at the end. But yeah, I mean, I, I think where the film succeeded, and I, I don't know if you, this was coming into your mind while you were watching this, but uh, were you seeing like parallels to like modern day life, discussion, culture? in terms of like people who yeah sign up in groups on the internet to you know do crazy things or uh culture around uh doomsday uh like yeah fascination with like the end of the world or just always seeing bad stuff on the screen uh, the us versus the world mentality like did you see a lot of similarities to real life I
1: didn't really and I, I didn't even think that much about that but when you mentioned that towards the top of the show I thought that's another avenue they could have really explored like yeah this is internet culture you're bi- you're just you found each other in a chat room, and you've empowered each other. They,
0: they talk about it a little bit. Yeah, um, right. I think that's like a real fear today. I mean, uh, yeah, I, like, for yeah, sure. You've got events like uh, January sixth, right? That uh, I mean, people like yeah, get together. They they make plans and and they do things together. And sometimes it's scary stuff. And I, yeah, I thought I thought the film was really effective when it was like kind of planting that seed uh, and running with like how disastrous that could be. But then. Kind of backed away from it, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess I just don't feel like they hammered that home enough. Not that they needed to spell it out, but they just didn't do enough to explore the theme to really Mm. intrigue me. Right. Um, I did think there were a few scenes that were legitimately tense tense that were done very well, like when Batista was hiding in the shower, for example, when he goes out to the car to get the gun. All those action-oriented or suspense-oriented scenes were done really well. They were just kind of few and far between because of the nature of the story.
0: Um, when yeah. she's, like, hiding outside by the woodpile. Exactly. And Dave is out there. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. I think, yeah, he, did, he knows how to shoot, like, a good sequence. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, was, it was good to see that. Um and Yeah, I thought the film looked really good, too, and I think that makes it very watchable as well.
1: Like you said, though, it's kind of like whenever the outside becomes a part of things, that's when things got interesting. Even the bathroom... He breaks the window, so there's a. Oh yeah. It doesn't go outside, but you at least are like, okay, some someone could be somewhere else other than in this room. Right. But like right. you said, he didn't do the greatest job of, hey, a good chunk of the horror, is happening right here in this room, and he. Right. I think he missed that. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure, I'm sure he knew that in his mind, but I don't think that came across very well.
0: Yeah, I, it makes me wonder, like his intent at the at the end of the day like was he trying to make like a scary movie uh about like a home invasion type scenario and like what a family does under pressure or was it more just about like what would you do if you could save the world if you killed your significant other right right it was more of an apocalyptic movie than it was a
1: home invasion movie but we don't get to any experience any of that fear of the apocalypse because right we're in the four cat. the people knew it was going to happen and the other three are Assuming it's faked, so yeah, we
0: are not scared that planes are falling out of the sky. So. Right, exactly. It's not happening to us. Yeah. Um, what? Oh, what would you have done if you were a Eric or Andrew?
1: I think I probably would have done things the exact same way that they did. Like, mm. not really believe it until you really see it in the flesh. <laughs> yeah. Then, then act like, accordingly. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: Yeah. Do you think they walk away from this with any guilt? Like, I I guess, like, does Andrew, like, wake up the next day and be like, ah, shit, I guess we killed, uh, because of us, like, two billion people died or something? Yeah. You
1: got to believe there'd be some guilt there. But at the same time, how would you ever believe?
0: Yeah. Everyone in the world could forgive you for waiting until the last possible. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, that's 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 a hard choice. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of thought I was. I kind of thought for a minute they might choose to all survive, and we'd get to see like what this apocalyptic world looks like. But um, yeah, kind of kind of makes sense. I guess it fits with their characters. That I, I guess that's like the character journey of this is them like both admitting that this is real and they need to do this. Sure. Kind of a boring journey
1: though. At the end, like <laughs> I don't know why it's, it seems yeah. like it should be so much more exciting than I know.
0: More. Given like what's at stake here.
1: Yeah. Did you notice, so in cinematography I think it's called rack focus when, like, the focus switches mid-shot from, you know, one person to the other. So if you're standing eight feet behind me, it focuses on me and then it shifts the focus to you. They, I couldn't tell if it was just my imagination, but it seemed like they did that quite frequently in this movie and the focus was, like, shifted just, like, very few feet in terms of, like, the depth of field, like... It just to like almost make that focus shift like a snap wow, pronounced. type moment. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was yeah. like really pronounced.
0: It, um, it was just like when they would do like close-ups on the faces?
1: No, it was usually like a mid-shot where you could like see two people in the frame. And then um, it would just zoom in? It would kind of like, it wouldn't zoom in, but it would just like shift the focus from one to the other, and you could just almost see. It just created sure. like a false sense of movement on the screen. Mm, um, interesting. And I don't know if that was just... You know, all movies do that, and something about my experience in the theater was perceiving that differently, or yeah. if it really was as pronounced as I thought it was. Um, oh, okay, okay. I thought that was just like another way that the cinematography tried to keep you on edge and sure um, keep the suspense going, confuse you about yeah, yeah. But I'm not quite sure. If you, if yeah. anyone else noticed that who's listening, let me know. I'm not crazy.
0: Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I've I've heard there's like some uh, really interesting uh, camera work being done on on the set here, and uh, there was a good interview he did um, where he was talking about like all uh, the different approaches and tactics they used. So I mean, I'm sure that was like pretty intentional. Gotcha. To, yeah, like, I mean, to, it seems to, to like to a it. super intentional uh, DP. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, great. Anything else you want to call out about the film? Did, uh, the bell, I don't know. Uh, did you feel like there was like a lot of, a lot of humor or anything throughout? Or, uh, I know like at the, at the end, like they're, uh, playing with a radio to like play like this really upbeat song and like they keep turning it on and off. Um, Andrew and Wen, like the remaining survivors. And you kind of think, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know how to, what to read into that, but I feel like there's like a subtle humor under there. Yeah. I think it was like, I, I interpret
1: it as like, Oh, it's too soon, like I can't think about Eric and then on the other he always wanted us to be like happy and listen to this song and sing, so like let's do that and honor him and you know. Uh, yeah. That yeah, kind of go, internal go. debate happening between the two of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's kind of boring. All right. <laughs> 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 well, anything else there? do you want to jump to the reading? Let's jump to the reading. All right. Um oh shoot, I don't have a rating skill on this one. Um I guess Zero to five, planes falling out of the sky. How many would you give this? This was tough. I have 3.5
1: planes falling out of the sky here. I almost feel like after this discussion, I don't have enough good to say about it that I'd (laughs) drop it to a three. I think realistically it's a 3.25. Okay. Um, But I'm going to say 3.5 just because that's the way I felt out of the theater. I enjoyed the viewing experience. It's certainly a competent movie and... It's exciting and it's very premise. It's exciting. I just feel like more could have been done. Uh, I I would have liked to seen more ideas toyed around with, and uh, maybe not move quite so fast in order to like fit some of those ideas in. But Mm -hmm. how about you? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm 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 very close to you. Um, I went with the three planes falling out of the sky. Uh, and, and similar to what you said, I, I think uh, I felt like this was a movie where it focused on really high stakes, but the horrors were very small inside. And sure. uh, that, was, that was kind of a missing piece. And uh, yeah, the plot, I think, at some point started to feel like a little bit too straightforward and missed out on opportunities to uh, create a more interesting premise. Uh, but uh, from an execution standpoint, I, I think you're right. It's like a fun watch, really great camera work, good uh, sound design, uh, great acting by at least two people. So uh pretty watchable.
1: Yeah, I mean that that just really hit home kind of when you said like the stakes are really high on the and the grand scale of the movie but like to the three there it didn't feel like that high like are these people are just talking <laughs> to kill themselves in They're front just of us. He's going to kill
0: himself yeah. <laughs> That's not so bad.
1: Whatever. <laughs> okay. I just feel like it's so odd that I do feel like the easiest way this movie could have improved is just by showing us those kills. Like Yeah. I feel like just a stereotypical horror fan would be like, "I need to see the blood and the gore." But <laughs> I just it's such a obvious mistake. I just think it could have really, really heightened the effectiveness of the movie.
0: You're right, man. I think it would have like added a, a a whole new tone. It would have made this like way more sinister and scarier. And yeah, yeah, agreed. it feel a lot more. All right. Well, great. Anything else? That's it. All right. Uh, that is going to be it for our discussion on "Knock at the Cabin." If you enjoyed the discussion, you can leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter, in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also are on Discord, where you can find us and other fans of the horror genre. Uh, you can find the link to that on our website as well. Our logo is done by Amy May Pop Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're planning to go on vacation with the family, maybe ahead of time, always have a designated person that you would sacrifice to save the world, so you're not forced to make an awkward decision at, uh, in front of strangers. <laughs> a, prepared. a DD, a designated dyer. Yeah, exactly. Every family needs one.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's actually a, a good policy. Yeah, it says
1: here. I could probably work some emotional stuff out but just by having that discussion. Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very, very therapeutic. you. <laughs>